Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. Yes, that's right, people. We are making this a drinking game. If we ever Good. say anything negative about this film, which might happen, believe it or not, or if we just become dickheads out of nowhere, we're going to hear this sound. That means that we said something inappropriate or that we said something negative about this film. And therefore, we need to drink because we don't want to become one of those stuffy movie podcasts. So pour yourselves a glass and check into the Bates Motel today. All right, so we're doing Psycho. Don't know if you heard of it, but it's directed by Alfred Hitchcock from the Oops. year 1960. John, let's give us sh- our, our people some shout-outs so that we can get on with this. Let's do the shout-outs. His name is Carlos Barozzo. He is our beer sponsor. You can follow him on Instagram at cbarozzobar2019. That's C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O-B-A-R-2019. And if you're digging the music, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist, and you can download all that music for free. It's all of it's provided by the artist Dasein. And as always, please rate, review, like, subscribe, love, all the things. I said it incorrectly in the previous episode, folks. All of our handles are at the love of cinema pod, except for Twitter. That one is at the yeah. love of cinema. Isn't that right? I, right? I said the opposite in the early week episode. It's in the notes. Forgive we put me. it in the notes, people. <laughs> it's in the notes. Please, please, please wow. follow us. We really appreciate it. And uh, as everyone knows, drunk. I did want to bring this up, guys. We haven't patted ourselves on the backs yet, but uh, we have obviously changed up our formatting. We are doing two episodes now, two usually 30, 40-minute episodes, and our numbers have been good. People are listening to the entire episodes. Thank you so much. Yes, if thank you're, you. He's taking a chance on us, and you're listening to whole things. We really appreciate it. We are going to keep trying to turn out good content. Yeah. Let's let's fucking we do are, it. We are not far off 5,000 downloads, hey. actually, Hey-o. which is not... Not bad yeah, for a year and a half. Not even. Not, not even. too shabby, yeah. dude. Let's keep going. Our, our first Valentine's Day was our first post. We'll never forget it. Uh, all right, friends. So this is part of our Should Have Seen That By Now segment where we take a movie that one out of the three of us hasn't seen that apparently we should have seen by now. It's just, to, just to get, despite the fact that we've seen a lot of movies between the three of us, these are the movies that we have in this segment so far. Citizen Kane. <laughs> Parasite. <laughs> um, Singing in the Rain. And now Psycho. So this is so as our Australian friend Dave here <laughs> loves the AFI list. He loves the American Film Institute list so much. But basically, Ooh. this has turned into it. Let's go through the AFI list and just make sure we've checked all the boxes here. But what, <laughs> it's not what it's meant to be. But here, but I think this is fun, and I think it's okay if I say this that here, John is going to film school at the University of Southern California, which is a really good film school. I think it's okay if we announce that on here. So John is good at making movies. John makes films. John has seen. I know for a fact you've seen a lot of Hitchcock movies, but you've never seen psycho so it's oh, yeah. really really funny so i think before we even get too deep into this also we just did the conjuring so if you're a horror fan and you've been around we, we just the horror conjuring it's, just came out it's like it's like going to disney world and saying oh i'm not gonna go on space yeah. mountain Con- the, exactly. the conjuring the exactly. devil made me do it by the way but yeah john why can't you just go on space mountain what's going on why did you why why did you skip psycho what is your reason for not having seen psycho I think I'm just such a fucking asshole right, contrarian just give us a sometimes real answer? that I waited. <laughs> that was, I mean, I fucking did. I, I love Hitchcock too, just to, just to give him his due. Give him his Before due. Please give him his I due. I even it's started time. thinking about making, he doesn't need it, but just in case he does. Before I even started considering making my own movies, I think Alfred Hitchcock was the first director I noticed. And, and I don't mean that in terms of like knowing what a, his name was. I mean, he was the first time He's I started weird thinking face. about directing. 
Well, I mean, of course you noticed him. <laughs> yeah, he's in right. everything. I know, motherfucker, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so I started watching all of his biggest hits, basically, and I was going down the list, and of course Psycho was way up there. And at some point, I th- this is even more shameful. Are you ready for this? I'm, I'm ready to admit this live. I watched this up until her death, and at that time, for some reason, I was like, I don't want to watch this right now. And I just turned it off after she fucking died in the shower. <laughs> Double buzz. <laughs> Jeff's just hammering the I forgot about it in the last oh episode. I, for- I, I forgot know. I can use I the button in the last episode. Wait. They've got it ready. Okay, hold on. So, Wait, let yeah. me ask this for real before we actually like get into this. Because this is available on H... Nope, you got to read this. You got to read this, people. But it's okay. You you already, you already know this was, it. This was a your, your dad or... This is also... This is a film that never made... This is a film that never made it to the bargain bin either. Yeah. It's like still but you're, fourteen dollars to buy. Your dad or uncle or somebody like passed away and gave you the Hitchcock edition, like collectors. You know what I mean? Like you, you have it somewhere in the house. Like go ahead, uh, John. Is it because it's gaggy? Is it because you know the famous moments because they they get aired and you know the score? Is that part of it too? Where you were Honestly, like, oh, it's just a movie yeah. about like the stabbing and they they change the point of view of the first you know the character. Well, or, do you want to, you know. I mean, I don't mind talking about that now. Do you want to just set it up really fast and then we can talk about that? Because that is exactly what I was going to mention for why I think I resisted this for a while. And especially after seeing sure, the you first just turned it, it. Yeah, because you just, you just, just turned into a guy from it? Brooklyn out of nowhere. So why don't you set this movie up and then we'll get to the movie here. Um, hey, what do you say we fucking okay, set here, it up? Okay, here, I'll set it up. So it, huh? Psycho <laughs> is about the movie Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. It's about fucking Psycho. It's a, uh, but uh, I will say the setup here, just in case anybody needs a little bit of a historical context. So we know the, the Hitchcock films, which, yes, Psycho is usually at the, 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 the peak of the mantle, right? This is one of the first filmmakers that was like, I want the audience to go through a very serious range of emotion. So, yes, he gravitated towards horror. It was all black and white. But he really thought very, very hard about the audience's emotional reaction, not just what they would talk about and not just about the history, but he wanted to evoke mm. A feeling he wanted the theaters we, we see marvel movies with all of the applauses and stuff he was one of the first people that was like i want that theater to be fucking crazy i want people to i want the, he had to give at the end of his movies yeah. he had to say please don't spoil this movie so that the next group of people can have as much fun as you had like who does that anyway this movie is actually towards the end of his career so he was born in 1899, and this came out in 1960. And if you've ever seen him, he was a 61-year-old going on 90. So verdict, but but also at the same time, just like just like a lot of great, just like a lot of great artists. I'm thinking of like Verdi and Puccini and like op- apparently only opera composers. But yeah, he had Rebecca early in his career, and he had Spellbound and other like nice movies that we know, but. Rear window is right in the 50s to catch a thief. And then all of a sudden, the wrong man, Vertigo, North by North Psycho. This is a person who, in his 50s, which was the 1950s to 1960, we're talking about bam, 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 bam. He took everything he learned and he turned it into some momentous shit. So Psycho comes out in 1960. Really, Mm. The Birds is the only like famous movie of his that came out after this movie. This is very high in the AFI list. And the setup for the film is um a phoenix secretary a phoenix secretary sounds awesome now but it's somebody from phoenix she's not actually a phoenix yeah it's not a secretary that like explodes and you get a new secretary (laughs) mystical bird that when she cries on you you're immortal um no a phoenix secretary embezzles forty thousand dollars from her employer's client goes on the run 
and checks into a remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. Norman Bates, the mother Bates, whatever her name is. This is Janet Lee as Marion Crane. I I feel like we don't, we don't, we don't need to do spoiler alert, right? Because this is old as fuck and everybody's well, I, I, seen I would, I would hope so but, but you think yeah. it's about one thing this is again I, I wasn't alive then but from everything I've seen and read yeah. this is the first time that a famous movie that a popular movie that wasn't like an old short or one of the Elin comedies or anything like that one of the famous movies that had a protagonist the protagonist die in the middle of the movie and then change protagonist that is yeah. that had, as far as I know, for a commercial hit. Yep. That had never happened before. In fact, uh, when it was released, if you turned up late, you weren't allowed to be admitted. If you missed the start Can of the movie, you turning you down going money in. because people showed up late. Wow. That's a, that's amazing. He was like, "No, if you don't, if you don't do her journey, you're not going in." Um. So wow. that's the setup. So let's go, if you don't mind, going right back to John. Really fast. Hold on. I really fast. You I always do, do this, man. I'm trying to set up just, this movie. And I, you're I thought like, it was just so funny. It's it is the setup. I think I was just I trying to find it because I wanted. Fuck you. I wanted to quote it correctly. But the uh, if you go to iTunes, like on your Apple TV, and you rent this, the description says, and I couldn't find it for word for word, but it's basically a Phoenix secretary embezzles forty thousand dollars from a client, goes on the run, and checks into a remote hotel with showers. What? Period. That's all. That is the with showers. <laughs> with showers. <laughs> with showers. <That> is, <laughs> I just no, wanted to throw that in there because gold. That's, that's all it says. <laughs> They're like, you know, it's the movie with the shower scene. You know, yeah. it's that movie. Yeah, yeah, we can't say what right. happens, but you know what. I happens. mean, this is the kind of movie. <laughs> anyway, continue. I, I imagine now continue, in our generation, this is the kind of movie where more people know that they used chocolate syrup for the blood than have actually seen this movie. <laughs> like, because like, there are so many yeah. things about this movie I, that are famous. I mean, I, I guarantee you just off the parodies, every person <clears throat> on the planet has at least seen 40% right. of this movie. Like the parodies and the oh references and stuff. And like, the, Ber- yeah. the Bernard Herrmann yeah. score. It's like, it's like when we were talking about, uh, earlier in the week, we were talking about um, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, the Andre. one shot where the exorcist turns up and they just do the exorcist shot out right. the front. It's I like mean, literally, the, yeah, we it's, didn't quote it's like that. A, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Every, every, it's, it's like these. This is one of those films that you're just every single movie is going to reference or homage it, um, because it's they made a yeah, TV show in the 2010s about this. Yeah, this 55 is five years so, later. Yeah, they, that, yeah. Not to mention what three, four sequels. Reminder, yeah, and, and Norman Bates series. is in all of them. Yeah. So kudos remakes. to that guy. Like, it was like, fucking, fuck if you're gonna typecast yeah. me, Hollywood, I'm and gonna remake, go ahead and, yes. and like a frame for frame remake. Yeah. A frame for frame with Vince Vaughn anyway, and Julianne Jeff, Moore. Jeff, yeah, what were you gonna? You were gonna th- ask yeah. me something. I was gonna ask you what you thought of this goddamn movie that you never decided to see what for I the rest of, of your it. life because you were like, I never watch a movie <laughs> right, even right, if right, I go right. to film school. I want people to ask me about Psycho, and I want to be able to fake my way through every conversation. I mean, literally. So I said earlier I was a contrarian and I was just an asshole and I was waiting. Some of that is is, is definitely true. But I think one reason <laughs> that I did hold off, this is a perfect example of why we have this segment. Perfect example. And I think so far, all of us have agreed we should have seen these movies by now. The, yes. the hype over Psycho is so huge. There are so many parodies and so many, so many, you know, motifs in, in everything across genres mm-hmm. and across mediums about this that I did feel like when I was going on my Hitchcock journey as somebody who, when I was starting to dive into movies and I felt like I was discovering a lot of his movies, even though I had heard of North by Northwest and, and Vertigo, I didn't know what they were about. 
and you think you hear Alfred Hitchcock and you think the master of horror and suspense, a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of his best movies, I think my favorite one is Rear Window, are really, really, really suspenseful, but they're not actually scary. They are dramatic and suspenseful. And I think I was a little averse to watching this one because it was supposed to be one of his scary movies because of the the shower scene, or at least that's what I thought. I mean, I'm yeah, it was it was say, it was scary in the '60s, exactly. And I think that, yeah. like Jeff was saying, just in terms of form and structure, everybody was so was so taken aback by killing I mean, her so quickly. Also, well, also the the shower scene by '60s definition is brutal. Look, you guys, that is there are seventy eight cuts in that in that 45 seconds apparently i looked that up in trivia so maybe that's yeah. not right but that's what imdb trivia says uh alfred hitchcock is clearly a master you know filmmaker he he is notorious see what i did there uh notorious for he always travels north by uh, yeah, 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 yeah. there we go how many of these can we work in there he is notorious for storyboarding there's a like apparently he even admitted it himself. why am i drinking chef hit the right button you loser that was for all of us, apparently. I think yeah, we're all just so. going to drink to that. Apparently, he storyboards oh, fucking rope. everything. There you go. This is, or we can go on forever. <laughs> I actually have vertigo right now. I'm not kidding. I've been on the plane for two days, and I literally fucking rope. I forgot that rope was one right. of his movies. Yeah. Anyway, what the fuck? I don't even know what I'm saying. He storyboards everything, and apparently, he did it for that one, of course. And you know, he always talks about how, like, by the time we get to the actual filming, my movies can make themselves because I've pre-planned everything so intensely, and I yeah, don't let actors. Yeah, he edits in his head. Yeah, he does like enormously yeah. way beforehand. So, can you imagine? It reminded mm. me of listening to Scorsese talk about storyboarding for the fight sequences in Raging Bull. Everything was planned out. He cut that beforehand. He knew what was going to work. So it's not just that. I was a little disappointed in myself for allowing a moment like the shower sequence to be a reason I didn't watch it when even though it is overdone in parodies and stuff, it is actually really excellent. And I would I think if we would have seen that for the first time in the theaters in the 60s, we would have been like, holy shit, he just butchered yeah. that fucking bitch in the shower. I can't believe he did that. <laughs> butchered her, dude. Fucking dun, yeah. dun, dun. So it really lived up to it. But uh, And I then I want to open this up to you guys because... I want to ask you if you agree with me. I was so pleasantly surprised that before and after that really famous sequence, Hitchcock does what Hitchcock does best. This movie is a drama. This movie is sucked in to, with close-ups and, and camera angles that make you just get inside mm -hmm. these people's heads. And obviously the twist he does and makes you to eventually follow Norman Bates and the twist at the end, you, it's so intimate. So even though there's this famous, scary, bloody shower sequence, that's not why this movie is so excellent. It is the characters. Yeah. It is the characters, like always, what he always does. He just did it again with a, a yeah, different I mean, form. We should, we should point out, like, it's, it's, 30, it's 30 minutes into the film before you see Norman Bates and like 45 <laughs> minutes into the film before you see that shower scene. Like the movie's half over yeah. by the time we get to that and shower scene. Let's talk about that for the, just the first 35 minutes. That is an excellent noir he like yeah. that is yeah. a perfect noir. film yeah. noir. Like the the everything about the style, Actually, the build up. It's insane. Suspense. That I, I want to ask. I want to ask. What did you think about the technique of advancing the story through voiceover while she's driving? Because like it worked while she's driving, there's this voiceover narrative, and it's it's the scenes that are like it's scenes playing out, but they're happening off camera. Yeah, it's great. It's literally scenes playing out in a almost. You know in what her was head, so cool not. to me? 
Dave, you know what I love so much about that? Because of course I couldn't help but think about it. Traditionally in noirs, when they use a voiceover, you're watching a character in sequence and yes. they're talking about what they're doing. Yeah. As opposed to this, she is stuck. We are just watching her in this in this medium close-up in the car. Yeah. And she's telling you about something that you have never seen before. So I thought it was mm. cool that he played. But also it's something that it's, it's something that she couldn't possibly see. But she right. could also be guessing it though, which is cool. Like, is it playing out in yeah. her head? Like, oh, she knows that they're probably having these conversations because exactly. she just stole forty thousand dollars. Whether it's real or not, he's advancing the plot, yeah, and exactly. it's and he's a advancing device the, that really works. In my the opinion. tone. What is the number one yeah. rule of of noir? It's it's creating a, a lack of trust in all your characters for the audience. It's uh, all of that stuff that she was saying. Is the native rule of noir. It's the two to one, two to one contrast, contrast for, for the style. Yeah, yeah, sure. But character wise and writing wise, yeah, do yourself, motherfucker. Characterized and writing and writing wise, you, you were becoming less cast. Ronald you know, Reagan. you were becoming less attracted to her over and over and over again. What'd you say? At the number one rule of Nora is cast Ronald Reagan. Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> that's for you, right? Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, what were you saying, John? Him. Yeah. I'm just saying, I thought he did a really good job at making you feel like by the time she got to the shower scene, you had so little connection and trust with her. You were so doubtful of the whole situation that Norman sneaks in perfectly. Obviously, there's yeah. something wrong with this guy, but you don't really. But he's also so likable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's a charm to him and she is almost charmless at that point. There's mm. something kind of despicable yeah. going on. And so what he starts literally to happen, made you. Like it's it's almost like when the protagonist gets it, you have no sympathy left for her. Yes. Yes. And okay, so now let's keep going. She buried her own grave. Is, right? She dug her own grave. There's very little happening in this in this movie when you really think about it, which is what's so interesting. Um, some some of the best parts of movie magic are when you can just cut away from something. Alfred Hitchcock showed you how to get away with murder. He literally in real time shows you the murder. Yes. The lead up to the murder, the murder, and then he shows you Norman Bates cover up the murder. The whole the whole sequence takes like 20 plus minutes and it's hmm. gripping as fuck. And it makes you all the things that you didn't understand about Norman Bates. You understand even less about him. You fear him more. Yeah. And yet you start to get on his side um, in some strange and, way by watching him cover this, up the murder. At this point, at this point in the movie, you're it's like Norman Bates covering up for his mother's murder. Like yeah. his mother's committed a murder. He's covering it up for his mother. It is. So you're kind of rooting for the guy. I yes. And they they make you an accessory to the murder. I do. Yeah, I do feel like that's good. Yeah. And I'm watching that's him good. cover it up, and I'm go, wait, wait, you missed the spot. Make sure you get that corner over there. Like, I know, exactly. You start. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. And in, in Anatomy of a Murder, right? I mean, he yeah. had already made that movie. Like he's clearly interested in making his audience feel like they're a part of the deviousness of these bad these bad people, these I, gross hor horrific crimes. And this one was probably the most effective. Yeah. I felt like I was, I exactly, Jeff, I was thinking like, I was thinking about every detail. I was defending him in my mind when the cop shows up or the <laughs> private investigator shows up. I wonder yeah. how many people in here like turned that quickly because one thing that I noticed from the shower scene, which uh, again, the, the problem with this movie is the, the, the bits, right? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back before I even get to that. And I'm going to say this a really quick anecdote. When they were doing the Sweeney Todd movie, Stephen Sondheim was in the recording booth and the music producer said, Stephen Sondheim, this is great. And then for some reason, he said, you know, West Side Story and Sweeney Todd are your most licensed shows. Those are the two most popular shows, Sweeney Todd and West Side Story. And Stephen Sondheim said, they're the best stories. They didn't even need music. Mm. 
in this movie, this story is so good. It doesn't need to be a horror movie. As you said, it's a drama. It doesn't even need to be a drama. It could be a comedy. The story itself is so good. This woman who's having an affair with an attractive guy who she loves, but they're not ready to live with each other yet. All of a sudden, $40,000 in cash is left on her desk by a dickhead and a boss who is sucking up to the dickhead. So basically says, all right, pretty lady, go do this thing. And she goes, fuck you. I can take this 40 grand and I can run. In 1960, 40 grand's like a half a mil. So yeah. She doesn't even say it out loud. She just leaves with the, she just starts packing a bag. She doesn't tell anybody, even the audience. We don't know. We just, we, we only know because we're not an idiot. We were thinking about that it ourselves. That bundle of money becomes a character in itself. And she's, and then I, all you can think about is the money. Even when she pulls into a, a motel, you're like, well, where are you going to keep this money? Are you going to keep it in your, in your, mm. under the mattress? Like, well, no, the reason you keep thinking about it is because he keeps showing it to you. He does it like it becomes, perfectly. Like, he does it perfectly. Yeah. Like the camera will pan from like her dead right. eye to the money. It's like, what's going to happen to that? And I know like, and just like with the murder, you start thinking even before she does it, I think I would take that money. Like you start, he makes you hmm. start getting ahead of her. Yeah. So that you start feeling even worse when she finally starts doing it. You don't have to hear her actually say it out loud. Oh my God. It's yeah, anyway, totally so it's just such and a good, you, it's just such a good story. And so, and then the shower sequence, I, when we I, finally I, get to it, we we it, we remember it as the ee, 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 and we remember it as the stabs and then the blood. It as John said, you said seventy five cuts. You said forty five seconds. It felt like four or five minutes this time because it was so drawn out. Like they didn't just kill this protagonist and move on. They really let yeah. her story come to an end. You know, d- dramatically. And I'm not saying murder is good or that kind of thing. But like, and then the switch to Norman Bates is is it takes time. It, it doesn't happen right away. Like they. they as careful as you can be with this kind of subject matter, a murder and then a switch to narrative, like of to the murderer's point of view, they do it really tastefully to mm. help the audience, not just to help us, the audience get along, but, but to make this good story have a yin to its yang. Uh, it was, I, I thought that's yes. what I thought about more yeah, than yeah. anything else. This I, I will tell you, there's a couple of things on a rewatch um, that just... Like I, I want to say, like when he, when he goes, like he's checking her in at the desk, and he reaches for the keys and he pauses, and then he grabs the key to room one, and in my mind, I'm like, is that when he made the the decision to kill her? Like, there's this little subtext. This is he reaches for a different key and then pauses and then gets room one, and I'm like, wow, that's yeah. that's like some serious fucking subtext in a performance. Like there's little things like that all the way through it. Like, um, we all get a little mad sometimes. On the rewatch, that line really yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you know what's coming and even on a rewatch that ad, that line is still effective. I will say a boy's best friend is his mother. Yeah, I I wrote that, yeah. Giant fucking Tinder red flag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, fucking you guys, left, left. I also, left. I'm also going to admit it. <laughs> Dave's um, married. I, I, it took me a while to load it. Sorry, that's what she said. Okay, John, what? <laughs> I'm also going to admit that even though you know I, I paid attention to pop culture, I did not know about the twist. I did not ah. know that at the end of this movie, spoiler alert, Norman Bates. The reason he's t- truly psycho is because he is inhabiting both himself and his mother. So when he's killing this woman and apparently other people, he was killing them 
as her. He's inhabiting her. He's putting on a wig. Her skeleton is still yeah. in the fucking house. Like, I did not know that. Because he dug so, her up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I feel like what is, uh, Jeff, what you were saying made me think that it's even grosser. This is why Hitchcock is a genius. It's even grosser that he used this very small, intimate, dramatic human story to make you think for a second if, with that yin and yang thing. Oh, I think I know what is happening with the protagonist now. Because by the time you get to the final twist, the protagonist is Norman Bates. Because by the time you get to the twist, what's so terrifying is that you realize you have you do not know how to approach a psycho, a psychotic person with true psychosis. You can't hmm. actually understand how they can justify their perception. And of course, what's what's the rule of cinema? He does it at the very end. I'm just going to show you a close-up of this crazy fuck's eyes and make you realize one more time you will never be able to understand what is happening behind those eyes. It's, also, it's like such this, a twisted, there's twisted so many, There's so many camera techniques he uses as well, like when the camera pans uh. up to the door when he's having an argument with his mother and it, it, the camera pans up and then he carries her out and it's a total overhead shot and they used it before, but it's like how... like. That is an absolute like trick designed to throw you off. And he does that. And he's such a brilliant use of he always there's some God's eye view in in all of his films. And they're always so choice. He's again, he's just such a master. He's so careful of how he puts he's very formulaic. Um, and Jeff, I want to hear you say, but I just want to make this point one more time because we're sitting here talking about how human the story is, how the characters, the drama. Hitchcock even said this about himself in his interview with Truffaut when he was talking about just how how he made movies. Truffaut just wanted to interview him. And Hitchcock said this about himself, that the only thing that he questioned as he got older was that he began to see his formula. And therefore, he never allowed character to develop story. He always stuck to his formula. And he sometimes he questioned if he was letting characters create nuance and create something new structurally. And it's still it's so interesting to me because when you watch a movie like this or those great movies that he made in the in mm. the sixties and fifties, you can't help but think about how good the performances are. You can't help but think yeah, about character. Like, there's your answer. The answer is yes. They so, they are still yeah, able th- to cre- create. I do <laughs> think so. And apparently yeah. he was a, a real tyrant on set with letting them act. But my God, mm. when he framed you in his close-ups, there was something strictly and purely human. It was happening, that's, even with someone who seems inhuman. So I don't Norman know. Norman Bates just, character performance is it's gonna I'm gonna that's gonna stay with me. He he really yeah. especially once he becomes the lead of this film and he starts getting questioned by private investigators and people who knew the missing person. You obviously we the audience know that he's spiraling, but he just he just hangs on but in the sense like that even to right at the end, you think he's just trying to protect his mother. And yeah, even just, Jeff, that, that too. do you agree with this dude that just uh, acting-wise, if you were trying to prepare this role, I think everyone else in the movie is purposefully cast or directed to be in that noir kind of style. And Norman is like, I, I don't know, is pedestrian the right word? There's a real casualness to his speech patterns we, and I the, feel like everybody the, knows the it. physical behavior. I mean, we're, we grew up, you know, at, well after this movie was made, but we all know Norman. We all know somebody like him. Yeah, we, we don't think they have psychotic guy, episodes, but we all know him. It, no, it, but it's it's a guy who doesn't know how to relate to people, tr- trying to relate to people in a way that he thinks they want to be related and to. And he's doing everything right, and it's still not clicking because he just doesn't and, have the yeah. He just doesn't have the stuff. He's doing yeah, everything there's something right. Just underneath that, just it stops at work. Everything yeah. he's doing. It's a phenomenal is textbook performance. Textbook 
how to socialize, yeah. how to how to be relatable, and it still and look, just know, feels off. I know Kubrick, I mean, uh, Stanley Kubrick owns the the gaze, like you know he does it in like every movie. But look, I think that gaze at the end of this thing, it's so Kubrickian yeah. that that is terrifying. I think he it said he owns me. the gaze, and you got me scared for a second there. So I'm glad that it came back around <laughs> because it is, is it is Pride Month here in New York not City. Plural. You not just plural, said he, no, you just said he owns the gaze. So I'm gonna go ahead Dude, and shout out, true. shout out for Pride Month. I'm We're so happy. Gush John for owning the gays. <laughs> Psycho, the movie of gay pride. No, no, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you, my biggest question, I think, though, is how did we not get cameras in all of the, the fucking mirrors. reflections yeah, that, what the that are in this movie? Fuck? Like, there's mirrors, there's eyeballs, there's doorknobs. Like, it's... So Hitchcock was a production designer. That's how he started yeah. out. And there's yeah. no way he didn't think about all that kind of shit. Like, I mean, you can tell he's a production designer because he uses the Z-axis as well. What is that? So like the, you've got your X and your Y, which are your ground plane, and then you've got the Z. So he'll put the camera up here for, for Oh, yeah, he's fucking... And it's it's yeah. something that uh, a lot of um, like directors and cinematographers will only think in like X and Y, how to move the camera. He goes up. He's like, no, I designed that thing up there too. Yeah, he turns it into into a little voyeur. This whole space works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he is again, despite what I was just saying, and I can't. I feel like an asshole. I I can't remember if it's Anatomy of a Murder or Notorious. There's this really famous in early. This was still when he was making movies in Britain, and he didn't have all the money in the world. And he did this fucking crazy crane shot that starts at the top of a stairwell, tracks down with her, and lands in a close up and. Apparently there's just horror stories about how many times they had to do it and how everybody was fighting him on it, but it creates this dimension of space. And again, when you, when you do what he does so well, and he is unafraid to use that kind of space, when he Dude, concentrates back into the, the, on the stairs, sure. Yeah. And what does it do? When the though? guy's it, walking up the stairs and he's, he's like, he's pulling zoom as well as pan, like as well as tracking. Yeah. And I mean the like, classic, the yeah, classic, yeah. the classic Hitchcock shot, but it's when he plays with shot, space, yeah. When he plays the space that way, it does something to the intimacy and the claustrophobia of his close-ups, which is where all of his lack of humanity lies. It's like the humanity of Mm. of the acting and the inhumanity all live in the same space, and it makes Mm. you want to throw up. Even that fucking phone booth scene (laughs) with the private investigator. Yeah, it's great. That's not even a tense moment necessarily, and I was like, what the fuck is going to happen next? Yeah. This guy is on the cusp of something horrible. I knew he was probably going to die. You, yeah, but even you that knew that was, was just... the last time we were going to have that kind of thing from that guy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You, that's yeah. yeah, well said. That was probably the last time we were going to have any kind of maybe this will be okay moment because you knew yeah, it was Yeah, I don't know. I'm movie. at this motel. Yeah. There's something fishy going on here. You're like, there's no way there's going to be a part B. He's not going to be yeah. like, whoa, guys, guess what I just saw today? There's no way that was coming. Yeah, no, no. I would, it's just, you're not coming back. I would you're going in this highly spot. recommend everybody just go on IMDb Trivia and go through them all. Um, but one thing I want to talk about is the score because the score is very, very mm. famous. And apparently, first of all, Hitchcock had so much money at this point. I said at the beginning of this episode, yeah. all of the movies that came out before this, Hitchcock had so much money that he actually bought all of the books of Psycho that were in print that he could possibly find to not spoil the ending of the movie in case people found out the movie was coming out to try to buy the book ahead nice. of time so that nobody would have read the book. That's how much money this guy had. And it was only written a year before he made this. He yeah. was on it. This guy, this guy doubled Ber- yeah. Bernard Herrmann's score. He doubled his salary for no reason other than he thought it was really good. And the score here, it's like, it's so great. This movie, when you're watching this, I, I wanted to write down so many notes, but I, I wrote down. And I guarantee you've only heard half of it. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's exactly what I'm saying. And, and I wrote down, there's so many tritones, but it's not cheesy. 
which is like a dumb musical reference because tritones is like West Side Story. It's like the it's like the forbidden note. It's like they use it in some jazz scales, but you, you're not supposed to do it because it's it's very. If, if you were to have a tritone playing in your office, you would actually start to go insane. And there's like actually studies, but it's it's a weird it's a weird combination. But anyway, he does it a lot in this. It's not cheesy. The majority hmm. of the score. You don't remember when the movie's yeah, over. The brown note played in your office. That's a whole different note. thing. Get the fuck out of here. That, yeah. <laughs> um, there, that was quick. I got that. That was good. Um, the score, obviously, you know that, which, by the way, the original shower sequence was supposed to be that dramatic in silence, and it's supposed to just be the water. And Alfred Hitchcock changed his mind. Smart guy. Yeah. This, this score is so good, and you don't remember it. Like even when you sit there and you say, "Wow, this is it's gush, it's romantic. It has some Wagner in there. It, it actually has two themes. So it has the rhythmic dun 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 dun, and then it has these very very lush that are very minor, but also yeah. not a lot of range. It's like a four note range. So you have this da 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 da. So it's really it, in most cases, it's only two different musical planes on top of each other, and I, I can't even tell you. Yes, do it, do it. Fuck yeah, I can't fuck even yeah, tell you how perfectly placed they are. So even when you notice that, even when you sit there and go, oh, there's the rhythmic and then that, all of a sudden the story happens and then the music, it's like you're meditating. It just like, it just, it just evaporates in your mind and it just becomes- You're exactly right, dude. I'm so going to join amazing. you in the gush here. I'm going to join you in the gush because I'm a, I'm obsessed. I think you guys are probably into some composers as well for for film and plays and theater and stuff. And there's a lot of different philosophies on it, but Bernard Herrmann like created some of the core foundations for a lot of people yeah. about how to write themes based on certain uh, themes dramatically or themes based on characters. And I think this is just such a good example of how the con- the contradiction between what he does in Vertigo, uh, creating playing on the theme of what it means to be sick, love sick, obsession you know, doubt and all the stuff that gets played within that movie. And something like this, which Psycho feels like a play to me, he only really yeah. needed two motifs for this movie and we got everything we needed. Everything else was just mm. was just a sound design, basically. And there's a I saw a piece of trivia that um that uh there there were a few other moments other than the shower scene where Alfred Hitchcock basically wasn't sure what he was gonna do musically. Bernard Herman just kept writing stuff anyway, and then he decided to <laughs> to add in more music than he thought he was going to. Because I think if I was Alfred Hitchcock, I would be concerned too. Like this probably doesn't need much music. Well, I think I love how you said it because you're very aware when music is playing because the way it's mixed, it's loud and abrasive a lot of times, and it's it's meant to be a part of what's unsettling in that particular moment. But in terms of the music taken out of context, you probably won't be able to whistle it when you're walking out, which is always, I think, the sign of really good sound design-y style of, uh, of approach to a musical score. Um, these guys are on the same fucking page. Can we just talk about, like, the again, the, the mastery of what they're doing? Is this a, a Nolan, talk- Hans Zimmer kind of thing? Yes. Like, the, the way mm-hmm. that they, their marriage, the way they understand each other, I would imagine it got to a point where they probably didn't talk very much about what they were trying no. to do. Like, they just That's trusted each other. Yeah. Herman wrote some shit. Hitchcock was like, oh, that's fucking great. You got the timing right. <laughs> that's fucking great. That sounds like something Hitchcock yeah. would say. Nah, I fucking did it, man. Good job. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. It's got to be there. I, um, yeah, I don't know, you guys. This was a, this was a real, this, this, a real gem. I, Every time I see, 
like I told you, I'm obsessed with Hitchcock and there are still a few movies that I still haven't seen. They're his smaller ones too. quote, you know, smaller, maybe less production value, maybe less popular, probably less sets and fewer cast members. He is such a good director that I think he can handle the big and the small brilliantly. And he just proves to you why, why, why he, why he is the master that he is. I also think it's interesting. Just, this is just, I'm going to talk about myself for a second. He made his TV series right after this movie. And I did watch that when I was a kid, Alfred Hitchcock presents. Mm. So I feel like it's a, a lot of the stories and the style of his storytelling. Yeah. Good evening. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I just, I felt like I was kind of a kid watching this movie. It didn't feel like his big giant movies. It felt like something else. And if you're a freak like me and you haven't seen this movie yet, I I definitely, definitely recommend it. Dave, can we talk about the, the audio mix? I don't know if anything came out to you. I don't mean to like pimp you out on it, but I just saw something online that when Norman Bates was writing, oh no, blood, they cut out all of the low levels of his voice. So this is clearly a director and an audio engineer who are on the, the audio engineer is probably like, holy shit. He wants me to cut out the lows. Yeah. You mean to what? Um, yeah. Because there was also voiceover like the mother and stuff. Yeah. Like, did you? I mean, consider when when this was made, this would have been mixed down to mono. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or stereo at best. Um, and it wasn't like Dolby now, Atmos. <laughs> like, it's Dolby Atmos now. Yeah. Like, so someone's remixed this since. Someone has remixed it, but yeah. in terms of, I read they that kept, um, they kept the original direction. That's the that's the the good thing. Like. All of all of the original stuff was there. And again, I, and I am not saying by any means that we don't take stylistic choices anymore. But Roger Deakins talks about this all the time. I know I've mentioned on this show that we're kind of obsessed right now with this this theory of naturalism in movies, it, it, all the way across the board. The way we the way we present stuff, the way we light, film, act. There is this kind of thing. So sometimes somebody like Hitchcock, who is clearly stylized. Clearly, I think anyone mm-hmm. who even isn't a cinephile person would know that you're watching a stylized movie if you watch one of his. And yet we're sitting here talking about the humanity and, and the drama and the characters and stuff when we know that he's doing things like that, taking the low <laughs> yeah. ends out. I read that he mixed three different women's voices together for the voiceover of the mother. And it, it, he didn't. he wanted mm. it to feel a little bit off. And clearly, again, that's a stylized choice. I even noticed that it sounded kind of inconsistent and strange and it didn't matter at all. It, it was more effective. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, man. He just, once again, I think yeah. he just proves that there are rules that are supposed to be broken. You're just supposed to do them, you know, creatively and appropriately yeah. to find whatever the truth is. And God damn it, he did it. Let me ask you guys one question though. The only scene that I felt like it didn't take anything away from it for me. I just don't know if it was completely necessary psychologist scene at the end was the psych at the very everybody end everybody always explains everything yeah so so what do you yeah, guys I, think I, I feel dave like, having I feel seen like it more was, than once i've seen it 12 times <laughs> i feel like that was Jeez. um i feel like that was a leftover remnant of the book and he felt like he owed it to his audience at this point to explain like it was it was part of the book so when he adapted it he adapted the whole thing so i feel like that might have been I think it was good. Just uh, this is what you've just seen. It's almost like the wrap up from the Twilight Zone. Or exactly, and that's why yeah. I was saying it. It almost felt it like was, one of his shows. It was great because he often yeah. had a, an explanation segment at the end of his series. I love it because hmm. it, it. I think it. It's uh, my guess is that it would have been great for everybody who saw this in the theater, where they just saw this wild 
incredible movie. The mind's fucking blown. And they just, what they just yeah. it's almost like in e- easing your way out of it before you see Norman. So rather than just cutting to Norman and Norman's in there and he's, you hear the, the mother's voice over and there's a fly on his mouth. And he says, oh, I'm not going to hit the fly because they're going to say he would never harm a fly. If you've seen this movie recently, you know what I'm talking about. But it seems like it's for the people in the theater. And it's almost like a recap of what just happened. And I think it works. So when we see it now, we're like, we know, duh, we already know that happened. But at the same time, it's right. it's good to just hammer it home. Because you know what? Right now, I see a lot of gun control posts online. And people are like, well, there's a lot of mental health issues in the country. And I'm like, our mental health issues aren't worse than... South Korea, who has no gun, Japan, no gun. I don't think our mental health is is 80 times theirs, but our death rates are for guns. For this, this is clearly a mental health issue, this movie. And and it's okay to to have the psychologist be like, this is this is a real thing. This this happens. Mm. Uh, We don't want it to get to this point, but this fuck. That that's what that's what's going on. And I actually really And and the 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 time capsule rule you know analytical um psychology and psychiatry was was kind of booming at the time it was beginning to start this is you know we we can't take that for mm, granted this is not just a scene that's like a movie scene this is one of those scenes where it tells you this is how this movie actually is is even though it's stylized and it's a horror film this is that, that kind of stuff like this i'm sorry this could happen like it's the weirdest fucking movie but yeah it, maybe it wouldn't happen exactly this way but we just so we talked about the contract i mean it's based i'm on a sure story, this did a lot like, of this did a lot of back road motels out of business i'm sure i'm i'm sorry but <laughs> fucking shit. no but maybe yeah. but maybe at the same yeah. time maybe it's saved lives. now yeah of course there's copycats and stuff but who like you know like, how many women stopped taking showers? How much? How many outbreaks of scabies were there around the U.S.? I'm sorry, people. Look, you guys, that happens in sports. Sorry, I said I said booming. I meant I meant beginning. Psychiatry was yeah, beginning yeah, at that time, yeah. so the explanation was necessary. Uh, and I think you're right. No, but you're Jeff. right. I also think it's interesting that he that cast. It, it's interesting that he cast a character who's a psychiatrist, psychologist. I can't remember which title he had. As almost, uh, if I were casting him, that man would be a choice for me as a as a detective or a private investigator. His type was not, he didn't scream doctor to me. And I thought mm. that was cool too, that you still yeah. felt like you had a, a little bit of a distance um, as kind of an investigator. Right. So that when you do finally cut back into Norman, you get that thing I was talking about where you feel like, oh my God, I'm stuck in the same room with him. And I thought yeah. I knew him, but I don't know him at all. And I'm fucking yeah. terrified. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> he seemed like I such mean, a nice guy. guy. It's like, thing. Nope, it's he needs like, to be locked Whoa. away forever. <laughs> Yeah. Quentin Tarantino said this before, and I, I don't think we can underestimate this. There was a time when Alfred Hitchcock was the most notable artist on planet Earth. If he released a movie, everybody who could access a movie theater saw it. Like he was yeah. one of the the biggest names on Earth. And so, yeah. you know, dealing with an issue like this in, in, in his brilliant style to just put it in front of your face and make you actually have to confront that. I just don't think we can take it for granted enough how unsettling mm. it must have been in 1960. Yeah. 1960, right? I think that's right? the, best, yeah, the best thing to end on. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. This has been fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Psycho is available for rent or if it's a part of a Hitchcock collection that you have lying around, please try to find a way to see this film. Um, yes. Maybe it will be 
decommodified at some point in the future and you can come back to this episode whenever you're ready but thank you guys so much we're going to do another quick round of what you've been watching or any recommendations here in the present which for us is dune <laughs> june 2021 Dave, anything else you want to shout out that you didn't shout out in our Conjuring, the Devil Baby uh, Do episode? No, no, actually, I was on vacation this week, so I and I haven't even watched Loki, but uh, I will say Loki was awesome uh, preemptively. Yes, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John? I am still in the UK for anyone who listened to the last episode, so now I'm going to recommend Peaky Blinders Season 2. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Um, I still say Hacks on HBO Max, but I also did watch the Friends reunion, which was both very oh, weird. thank you. I did too. I watched that too. It was very weird, was, but also it. really great at the same time, right? Wasn't it kind of weird? What seeing... did you think was weird about it? Just curious. They aged. Oh, come on. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not putting it down, but here's what I mean. Somebody asked Phoebe, well, they asked, of course, Lisa Kudrow, do you guys want to do a reunion? And Lisa Kudrow was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Well, look at it, like, it's been 20 years since we finished. Like, we, we can't, no, we, we wouldn't even be the same characters. It would be like Led Zeppelin trying to start over again. Like, come on, guys. Like, this is, we're in different worlds. We're in a different, we're in a different universe now. That show was you 20 years. You can't go home again, dude. They, they yeah, could have filmed absolutely. that show twice since they wrapped. You can, you just can't shop there. So anyway, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hating on, I'm not ageist or anything, <laughs> but, but it, it was strange in the sense that, that they're not, their, they grew out of their characters and that's okay, but it's, Watching them do it was really touching and really moving. But the fact that it's still a living, breathing thing, friends, was was cool. But it was almost like the the it, I didn't get the sense that they they wanted it to be over. It's like they they made the reunion. They mm. wanted it to live on, which is great. But they wanted it to live on in the future, and 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 that was a place that for some reason was a little strange for me. Wait, who do you think wanted it to live on? Just like the producers of the show, and and like you know, I'm sure like. Well, of course they did. Yeah, and, and it's gonna go on in residuals and everything. Money. But like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I don't know. She made that. She made that comment about how the creators they they, they wanted to end it because if they had done it again, they would have to unravel I, their lives and stuff. I know, but they're I all do still think, around. I know what you mean. They're but all I do still think around. Uh, they're always gonna be friends as long as they're around. You know what I mean? It's not like the Beatles mm-hmm. where we're just like, all right, well, two are gone and two are still here. Like I know that. Look, I know. I, I know that says, sounds morbid, this, but this is history we're talking about. But it's also like that they represent that period in your life where your friends or your family. And I think that's why it's weird, because like every time you think about going back to your 20s or your teens or whenever that period of time was for you, it's almost a little unsettling to think right. about pivoting and looking over your shoulder when, you know, it just it doesn't work anymore and yeah. you're not supposed to. That being said, I definitely started episode one. As soon as that was over, I was like, oh, I haven't watched this show in a while. And I'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> right, it. Right, but, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. It was, it was cool. It was cool. Anyway. What are we doing next week, you guys? Dave? Well, next week, uh, we're doing two. I should have seen it by now it's because we're in the middle of uh, uh, like a dull spot, I guess, in the new release schedule. So we're waiting for gone. Marvel to get, the get this shit together. Um, no, the, well, we I mean, Marvel Black Widow is coming back for another two weeks. Uh, but Fuck yeah, Black we're Widow. doing uh, a film I have only seen the first 10 minutes of, The Social Network. Nice. The good nice. opening scene. Good opening scene. Yes. And uh, we're doing one that was uh, nominated on our little questionnaire that we have on our Facebook page, if anyone wants to drop over and add to it. Um, it's uh, Reservoir Dogs. Never heard of that it. That was submitted by our friend John Casey Barrett. We are going to be doing Reservoir Dogs, dude. Fuck yes. Yeah. Quentin and, Tarantino's uh, yeah. first uh, directorial feature. Yeah. All right. 
Well, thank- Dave, you're not excited. You just shake, you just shook <laughs> well, your head, motherfucker. No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I haven't, I haven't seen the whole thing either. I've seen like two scenes out of it. So yeah, well, think of it I'm, this I'm way: it's the first Tarantino movie, so you don't know you dislike him yet. How about, right. How about that? How about that? All right, friends. Thank you so much for staying <laughs> with fair. us. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Please find us and subscribe as always, and we will see you next week. Thank you, Phil friends. <laughs>